Welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check us out online at blisterreview.com, where, among other things, we publish in-depth and totally honest reviews of outdoor sports equipment. In this episode, we are extremely pleased to be talking to one of our absolute favorite skiers, Angel Collinson. Angel is basically on fire right now. She's just come off a win of the Red Bull Cold Rush comp. She was the first woman to win Powder Magazine's line of the year, and she has two recent TGR segments that the entire internet is watching and re-watching. More impressive than all that, though, is how well Angel seems to be handling the spotlight. And I think you'll get a sense of that in our conversation here with one of the best big mountain skiers in the world. This episode of the Blister Podcast is presented by New Belgium Brewing Company. Our audio engineer Justin Bob and I are currently enjoying the latest release from New Belgium. It's a tangerine IPA called Citradelic. Justin, cheers. Of course, since this is Blister, you're probably expecting to hear our review of Citradelic. Well, after just two sips of it, Justin literally said, and I quote, I could drink a lot of these. Something else you should know about Citradelic, it's brewed with 11 different types of hops. Now we'll assume you already knew that this many different types of hops even existed, but I bet you didn't know that Citradelic was brewed with the following varieties of Humulus Lupulus. That's the Latin word for hops for those of you who are too lazy to take Latin. So you've got the Humulus Lupulus Nugget, Crystal, Centennial, Asaka, Cascade, Citra, Chinook, Galaxy, Mandarina, Bavaria, and Simcoe. And man, let me tell you, you can really taste the Galaxy in Citradelic. Furthermore, I'm no brewmaster, but I'm pretty sure that it's called Galaxy because it's a hops that comes from outer space. So the question I have for you is, does your beer have outer space hops in it? To check out all the hops used in Citradelic and New Belgium's other beers, go to newbelgium.com. There's some pretty good reading over there. Now let's get to our conversation with Angel Collinson. Well, I'm very pleased to be talking today with Angel Collinson. Um, Angel is, is I, I don't think there's any other way to say it. Angel's having a hell of a moment uh, right now. And, and this has been, I think, really fun for all of us to, to watch and witness. And um, we're happy that she's joining us today to, uh, to talk a bit about what she's been up to. Hi, Angel. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> good, good. Uh, so we always like to kind of start first things first. Um, where are you? I am at home, which is mm-hmm. sort of a miracle, uh, in Salt Lake City, Utah. I've heard of that place. <clears throat> it's pretty cool. Um, and you have been in Salt Lake for a while. You just got back from somewhere. Where? Where? where uh, you know what? Yeah, what's I happened? just I uh, had just finished up the competition, uh, the Red Bull Cold Rush competition in Revelstoke, Canada, uh-huh. and then I headed down to Baja for a friend's wedding, which is the first time I've ever gone on a vacation in the winter. And now I'm back home. Excellent. Excellent. And first of all, I guess one, well, two, 
congratulations for for doing a non-winter vacation um <laughs> i actually just last weekend was at a friend's wedding wedding in sedona arizona and these Good. these winter like summery destination winter weddings these are amazing yeah, I, right? I know. I'm, I'm kind of sold on them. I kind of felt like I was breaking the law, but it felt pretty good. So I think I might try and do it again in the future. <laughs> do you think we have to have more of our friends get married in these places? Because then it's like, dude, we, ha you know, you have to go to your friend's wedding. Yeah, sorry, I can't do anything. Well, <clears throat> I mean, that would be really cool, but also then it not everyone can make destination weddings. So okay. I don't know, but I definitely think that it's important to have a balance of work and play even in the winter season. So yeah. I don't know where the balance is, but it's in there somewhere. Okay. I'm actually, I think I actually am serious about this. Like I, I, I think that if, cause again, if, if a friend, if we could just convince friends to get married and go to these places, I think we're officially off the hook, but you're, you're arguing for a more progressive view of taking time off and, um, so abandoning <laughs> the wedding excuse. <laughs> well, no, I like the wedding excuse. I just think that not everyone has a budget with like, yeah to just go to a bunch of destination weddings if we all were to do that, you know? Right. So, I don't know. Huh. But this isn't really about budgets. I mean, you're going to try to get somewhere warm in the winter anyway. So, really, we're just focused on the excuse. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I don't know. I need to think about, I need to think through this one a bit more. But I, I like your idea that maybe it's just okay in the middle of winter to go somewhere warm and not ski for a few days. I think so. I mean, I got rid of my goggle tan, so I feel pretty good about myself for the moment, <laughs> even if it's temporary. Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, I suppose maybe the more important thing that we should be discussing here is, uh, rather than my fixation on um, going somewhere warm in the middle of winter, is that um, you just won Cold Rush, right? Like, that's a big deal. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I know. I kind of it, it hasn't quite hit me yet. So talk, talk yeah. to me a little bit about that. Um, talk about that comp. I mean, this was just was it less than two? No, two weeks ago. What was the timing on this? Yeah, it was. I think it was two weeks ago. It was like February sixth, right around okay. then. So, um, yeah, it was. It was interesting because I was pretty nervous you know I started filming with TGR uh this movie um I can't even remember the name was it almost a blaze yes. yeah <laughs> okay sorry it's a hard that one's a particularly hard title to remember I, don't, I struggle with it too I don't know why Jones brothers just like to pick these titles and and so then we have to try and remember them all um but yeah so almost a blaze was my fourth TGR film and since I started filming with those guys I haven't competed so this is my first competition back in and competition skiing or competition anything yeah. is a whole different kind of game and a lot of it's mental um but it's really incredible and I totally it all came back to me when I was you know up there I was like oh my gosh competitions are so stressful it's just this incredible it's like an increased different type of pressure that you feel. And so I knew that was going to happen. And so going up there, I was kind of prepared and, you know, tried to bring all the tools in my toolbox. Um, but the coolest thing about it was that it was a bunch of athletes that I've never met before. 
because we don't film with the same companies and we don't have the same sponsors, but I know all of them. I've had their posters on my wall and I've like kind of worshipped them for so much of my young and adolescent life. So to go up there and just be shredding and checking out the venue and doing all these things with people that you've, you know, idolized for so long was like, it was so cool. This was your first cold rush, second cold rush. Yes, this this is my first cold rush ever. First cold rush ever. Roll in, win it, drop the mic. (laughs) (laughs) This is good. This is, this is what I mean. I, I feel like we're, you know, Right, you're you're having this this kind of sustained moment. It's not this is we're not talking about like a one week thing. You've kind of had this thing going on now for a minute. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But um, do you kind of feel that? I mean, I don't mean that in some like I'm. I, I guess that's a weird question. But um, things are breaking good for you right now, right? Um, yeah. And are you looking around like, wow, what's going on? Or or does this actually feel like? I don't know that it's stuff has been going well for you for, for a while. And there's just been this really pleasant, uh, progression for that. Right. As opposed to some new, I don't know, um, big switch, big shift. Does that make, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's a good way to put it. The kind of steady, slow, uh, pleasant progression. (laughs) Exactly. Pleasant progression. Yeah, it's been really cool, you know, and it started, well, last year, you know, it was uh, a good year for me with, you know, TGR gave me the opening segment and yep. that, to me, totally, I didn't, they surprised me with it. Yep. <laughs> and when I found out they gave that to me, I was, it just made my whole year. Um, and so, yeah, then this year, you know, they gave me a closer and that was, I didn't even think that it, that I could have more of an honor than opening, but it was yeah, even more so getting the closing seg. And um, just, I feel like the coolest thing has been um, the amount of people that have reached out to me and been like, you're such an inspiration. And I'm like, who, me? I'm like five-year-old that they're riding together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's been cool getting, yeah, getting the recognition because I just see a lot of awesome things happening out there and, and to feel... And for people to feel like I'm part of that is super neat. Yeah. And it's just kind of kept going. I mean, it started with like the release of uh, the movie this year. And then it's sort of been this, yeah, like you said, slow, pleasant progression with, you know, free skier, the powder awards and then the free skier magazine thing. And then cold rush. And then I just, um, yesterday, this is, I don't, this is, hasn't really made it out on the internet yet just cause it's not Red Bull style, but both John and I got uh, signed to Red Bull yesterday. Ah, well, congratulations! Thanks. I am, know. Am, am I am I actually allowed to add? We were supposed to uh, air this podcast <laughs> a day earlier, um, except that I think you were finalizing. I, I kind of had that yeah, suspicion. Yeah, when sorry, you- that was my fault. That was actually because I was with the Red Bull guy. Yep. Uh, all day yesterday and all night. So when you when you said that, I thought I think I know what's going on here. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, to to everyone who's mad that this uh, that this podcast didn't air Thursday, um, my fault. A- Angel had very very good reasons, uh, you know, for uh, for asking if we could reschedule. And what I love is actually you were really nice about it. You were like, I'm really sorry, but is there any way maybe we can kind of adjust this? And 
and uh, you know, you said I had a dinner with Red Bull, and I was like, "You, you go do your thing. We'll, 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 <laughs> we'll get to this." Um, yeah, thanks so much. But that's exciting, and 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 yeah, another I think feather in your cap, and and another um, uh, another sort of grounds for for yet another congratulations. You know, um, so yeah, it's like it's like the fucking year of angel or something. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what's happening here, but um, and. Let, you know, and I didn't mean to make this a super embarrassing uh, conversation, but I, I am going to try to see if I can get you to help me to think about this um, a little better, because um, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I don't think I have this worked out, but it it does feel a little bit to me like there this feels a little different. Um, things in, I think, the skiing world feel a little different right now. And um, maybe we can just consider this a conversation starter rather than like some, you know, uh, conclusion. But I really, I really do think with what you are doing in skiing right now, um, in your film segments, the excitement uh, being generated on those, uh, about those segments, people aren't talking about how, you know, how good of a skier you are as a chick (laughs) people are just talking about have you seen this segment you know have you seen what angel's doing on the mountain there's no the conversations that i'm having with people there are no qualifiers um about wow you know she's really skiing hard uh you know as a girl right i mean i i i forgive me for that being so inarticulate but I'm trying to remember a period where right now, um, you know, I think there's going to be a ton of people looking to see the next TGR film, the next films, um, because you are in them, not because you are one of the people in them. Um, that feels a little bit new to me, right? And and God bless Ian McIntosh and God bless Sage. These guys are incredible and I love watching them ski. Um, but this feels a little different to me. Um, <laughs> are you allowed to comment on this, or does this break yeah, the rules you know, of etiquette? This is very flattered. I don't quite know what to say. <laughs> um, I, well, you know, it's it's a really cool time period that we're in because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of demand, and people really want to see uh, women amongst the guys, you know, and, and I think it's cool because so much of my support has come from men and it's, and it's not about like, Oh, you're a girl or, Oh, you're this. It's so cool. You're out there doing this. It's just like, Oh, so stoked to have you out here. And and yeah, what I bring as a woman and what I bring as a person is respected. And that's so cool. And, you know, to have so much support met from, you know, a widespread audience of people who want to see girls too. It's, rad and I'm so honored to be you know kind of on the front lines front lines of that and I think uh it's just a sign of the times and I'm really honored that it's graced me with so many of these opportunities but uh it's it's not just me you know it's it's where all of us are at and I think that's really cool but I mean the Jones brothers have talked about this right I mean saying that they've been filming for a while and they they were at least making a case that we haven't seen women hit these lines the way you were hitting them in AK. 
and and again, I am not I'm not a historian here, and I and I'm and I'm really not. I'm, I don't mean to disrespect you know any of the many amazing female skiers that have come before you and and have been so pivotal, of course, in terms of you know whether they're inspirations to you and 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 all of that. Um, but um, it does feel I I think to to throw a little more credit on you. I don't know that this is merely a sign of the times. I think this is a thing where you've kind of arrived and you didn't just get here. You've been doing this for a while and we're going to talk a bit more about kind of your background, but um, I think this is a remarkable time. And I really do think um, you deserve the the kind of accolades um, because this really is, we're just watching somebody go out and ski really hard in consequential terrain. And we are used to seeing that. And frankly, I think where we've become a little bit, we, we've come to maybe expect that um, from a few of the guys out there. And I think you've kind of shattered what feels a little bit like a ceiling for this isn't about guys and girls anymore. This is just watching people on the mountain. Um, I'm going to stop this inarticulate uh, praise, but I, I do think it's a point that's worth thinking about. Um, and I really do think that this is something that, um, I think it's nice of you to say it's just where the times are, but, but I'm not sure that's quite accurate. And, um, and I do think you deserve credit for, for what you've been doing, um, and how you've been going about your business. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate all those things, but, but I really do honestly feel that I, you know, I stand on the shoulders of, the women who have come before me and uh, like, I mean, Wendy Fisher mm. crushed so hard. And um, I think that the equipment mm -hmm. that we have now allows all of us to push it more. Like mm -hmm. I don't really feel like I'm skiing better mm. than women in the past. I think, I think I'm skiing at about the same level as the best females we've seen mm -hmm. and our equipment is allowing us to do a lot better things and and it's cool you know like guys are skiing better than you know mm -hmm. the people used to i mean straight sticks like <laughs> <laughs> like let's be real 200 like straight sticks in alaska would suck so bad like they would be so hard you know and that's what the women were crushing on before yep so I think there's, I think that's a big component. Um, I really feel like that's a big component. I give you that. I, I, I give you that. I do, I do agree that the equipment is getting better and making, I think making things easier and making it easier to go faster. Um, and so I, I think that's a, I think that's a good and fair point you make. So in that case, your kind of comeback to what I've been saying is, you know, you're the, you're the current person, one of the people kind of on the front lines now. And as we, as the technology is getting better and as, you know, we're learning more, it's that bar is going to continue to get raised, uh, yeah. on, on the men's and women's side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I give you that. And yeah, props to props and shout out to Wendy Fisher. Um, and Charlotte. Well, yeah. So yeah. many, so many women that have totally, uh, you know, increasingly and continually set the bar for where we've all been at. Yeah. I'm also thinking about whether it's fair to think of, you know, take kind of big mountain skiing and couple that with ski racing. Um, you could make a case right now, couldn't you, that 
three of the most exciting skiers out there currently are are three women. Um, if we think of, I'm going to put you, uh, Michaela Schifrin and Lindsey Vaughn. You know, the, the, what's happening right now in kind of three pretty different areas. Um, couldn't you make that case? Well, you're not allowed. We're going to, we'll, we'll leave you out of this conversation, but, but <laughs> and thinking on the race side of things, um, you know, Michaela just comes back from this MCL injury, um, Windsor next, next race back. Um, Lindsay's just continuing to raise the, you know, the, the overall titles. Um, I think this is also a pretty interesting time. And I'm, you know, if you think about where other sports are, um, I don't know, skiing is, uh, in an interesting place, I think right now in terms of women kind of, um, I don't know what taking the lead or, or very deservingly occupying the spotlight. Um, does that feel, um, would you agree with that? Do you feel like I'm being a little short-sighted about other, or you know, forgetting about certain um, past historical moments? Um, I'm sure we're both forgetting about past historical moments, but it's no doubt. I mean, Lindsey Vaughn just you know won more World Cups than <clears throat> so, so that's just pure fact, you know. Yep. Uh, and I think. Um, yeah, there are some women doing some really amazing things that are, you know, breaking past records before. I also think, um, there's more women doing it and there's more support for women doing it that, um, there's like this energy behind it. I think that encourages more women to do it and it encourages the women that are doing it and the women that are at the top. It, we're getting the support that we've always needed and wanted, you know, whether it's like funding or, um, the right physical therapy or, you know, whatever it is, instead of being like, Oh, well, you know, I, I heard my MCL and that's it for me. Cause right. that's kind of an insurmountable obstacle obstacle. Now it's like, well, you know, I've, I've suffered this setback, but there's so much support that I'm going to keep charging on, you know? So I think it's a big picture, um, movement that's happening right now and, and it's all kind of interconnected uh and I do think there's like a lot of support for women and that that's part of why we're seeing these standout women do so well yep and and do you I mean do you attribute this momentum to anything in particular um is it that the companies with sponsorships and the rest are simply somehow collectively um, recognizing that this is a, a good and smart uh, and deserved move. Um, why, why are we seeing in what you're describing, which sounds like a really nice world, right? Um, why do you think we're seeing this or what do you attribute it to? Um, I mean, I think I hesitate to use the words uh, women's equality because I I don't think it's necessarily, I don't know. I don't like to think of it as women's equality. I think of it uh, as more like um, just a, a, a well-rounded uh, opportunity for, for all of us. You know, like I think... Uh, I think it's just the way that we are perceiving women's roles um, in general, in society, in the workplace, in how we raise our daughters, you know, in, in what kind of roles we see fit in society. You know, it's all changing right now. And, and 
I think it's just a really big picture thing. And like, you know, TGR gave me these really cool opportunities because they not only saw my potential, but then they also saw the crazy amount of response to, you know, the, the public seeing a woman in these roles. And they're like, yeah, sweet, let's keep this deal going, you know? And, and so we've continued to work together and they've continued to give me these really, you know, like whether it's opening seg or closing seg or, uh, um, you know, I spoke at like South by Southwest last year in Austin, mm-hmm. Texas, just sort of, um, I think companies recognizing that just res- like pure response of people wanting to see women. And I, it's kind of what I've already said on this whole podcast, but I really think it's just a big general social movement in the sport and out of it. I hope that's true. And I, I hope that that <clears throat> I'd love to think that this is an inevitability, right? That there is just this building momentum and that we are just going to continue to see this, um, move along in, you, you said you didn't want to use women's equality. I was thinking, well, I guess we could call it human equality. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, um, I guess we'll just both, both hope to see that as a, hopefully an inevitable, um, continuation of, um, of a current trend. Um, but it's certainly been an encouraging one and an exciting one. Yeah. Yep. So let's back it up um, and and talk a little bit about um, your background then. We, we've been talking a lot about how things are going currently. You got on skis when you were how old? Uh, two. Well, two and a half, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two and a half. Mm-hmm. And, and your, your parents had something to do with this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. By the way, our our audio guy uh, slash uh, blister reviewer slash uh, ski patroller slash uh, comp comp skier well snowboarder uh, Justin Bob he's gonna kill me if I don't if I don't talk or ask you a little bit about your dad. Um, <laughs> okay. But uh, so to, so that I don't get killed by Justin, maybe maybe we'll start there. In Justin's words. Um, your dad is a legendary ski patroller. <laughs> um, so you're you're two and a half years old, uh, the the daughter of a legendary ski patroller, uh, growing up, growing up in Utah. Mm-hmm. I'll let you take it from there. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, I was in mom and dad both equally would just put me and John in the in a pack, you know, like a little. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, hiking pack or whatever, and go skiing with us since, you know, since we were born. So we've always been on the hill. Um, and then when they finally slapped some skis on our feet, yeah, I was two and a half, and John, yeah, was two when they did it. And um, he, <laughs> well, my parents love skiing and they love the outdoors. Um, my dad, yeah, it was. Quote unquote legendary ski. I think he's legendary. I always brag about it because people are like, oh, you're biased, but whatever. My dad's awesome. So he um, did ski patrol at Snowbird and then went into their uh, snow safety department and worked there for over 30 years. So we grew up in, because he did that, we grew up in the employee housing up at Snowbird, right across the street from the resort. Uh, so it was pretty much like you wake up and you eat your cereal and you maybe 
Well, I would say you watch a cartoon, but we weren't actually allowed to watch TV. So <laughs> <laughs> you're serious. Unless mom and dad weren't home, and then it was free game. Right. Uh, and then you walk across the street, and boom, you're on the ski hill. So that was pretty unique. Um, and my parents really encouraged independence uh, in both me and John. And so the first few years of us skiing, it was pretty much learning how to ski on the ski hill like in the resort without getting creamed because yeah. you're like three feet tall and yep. no <laughs> so it was always like stop before any like trail crossings and look uphill and don't stop beneath knolls yeah pretty much like common sense skiers code uh but very much ingrained in us and then by the time we were five we were cruising around the resort uh by ourselves so it was always kind of our independence and sense of freedom and a place where we could just go uh without any authority. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So that was how we started skiing. And then when dad used to ski race on the East coast and that's how, so he's an amazing skier and he has a lot of actually uh, first descents in the Wasatch, like classic lines he was doing in the late seventies, early eighties before people were really into it. And he had a hard time finding ski partners actually because <laughs> wow. no one's doing it yet. And they're like, you're crazy. But, uh, so, so he was like, you guys need to have a good foundation, a good skiing background. So he made me try a day on the race, on the snowbird race team when I was eight. Okay. And I was pretty much, uh, I was eight years old. So this just goes to show how much uh, eight year olds know about what they want. I was pretty much hell bent on the fact that I never wanted to race. And I was like, no way, this is going to suck. I'm going to hate it. You're a jerk for making me do this. <laughs> like, I really don't want, you know, like big fight over it. And he was like, just try it for a day. And if you really hate it, then we'll talk about it. So I went out uh, with the ski team for a day and I had one friend that I knew there and I had this really cute coach. <laughs> and <laughs> that was enough. So wait, wait, wait. So uh, anything really, I mean, what we should really contribute your current <laughs> success to is the cute coach you had back when you were eight years old. Is Who that... I just came to find out is now a relationship counselor, um, super great guy. So I, <laughs> I know how to pick him young. Yeah. <laughs> even when I was young. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, go on. Super, yeah, super so cute coach when you're eight. I know. I should probably write him a Facebook message and just be like, thank you for all of this. <laughs> so. thanks, thanks for being cute. Thanks for for looping me into this whole thing. Yep. Yeah. So, so I skied a day with him, and I was like, "This coach is great. I'm gonna keep doing this." <laughs> and the rest is history. I ski raced until I was 18. Um, wow. And I ski raced, yeah, at a pretty high level there at the end. Just uh, finished my last racing season, ranked um, second overall, my age. Wow. Um, even among US ski team members. So uh, it, was, it was pretty much as good as I could have ever hope to do, but it wasn't fulfilling hmm. for me at that time. I'd done it for so long and I was kind of burnt out and I wanted to learn how to rock climb and kayak and I kind of wanted to like party and drink beer sometimes. And mm -hmm. racing is, um, I really hand my hats off to, to ski racers and lots of other competitive professional sports people because man it is you sacrifice so much time and in, in your whole life to to be good and be at the highest level so I hung up the towel and I went to college I signed up for some free skiing comps and did well and then I got invited to film with TGR and now I'm here wow okay <laughs> yeah. well good great there talking you to you no <laughs> um well so 
from eight to 18, then were you still getting a lot of time? Um, I, I, whatever free skiing or not racing on the mountain. Um, or were those pretty, pretty dedicated years of, um, working on your high angle carving? Yeah, pretty much. The time that I got to spend free skiing on the hill was few and far between. And it usually was on powder days when there was too much snow on the hill to, to train, you know, to train gates. And, I definitely started taking, when I got a little older, I started taking a little more personal liberties being like, yeah, it's pretty good free skiing out right now and it's pretty soft snow for training. Uh, I'm just not going to show up today, which uh, my coaches were pretty supportive because they understood, you know, holistic happiness and what it takes to love skiing in all the ways. But free skiing was always my, or big mountain free skiing, you know, when I got to just cruise the tram with my headphones in, that was always like my free happy place that I didn't get to do that often when I was racing. Um, so it was like, I think of those times very fondly when I would not have to ski gates and just get to go shred tram laps. Yep. Um, so did you, this is a, this sounds like a life that never, never went into the kind of more mainstream sports you it doesn't sound like you ever did the the soccer basketball thing you were doing the skiing climbing wasatch thing yeah yeah and well part of that was because from pretty much we when when i was five until till i was like 15 and i had to spend the summer's uh, in the gym kind of lifting weights and stuff to be strong enough with racing from pretty much five until 15 on the last day of school, dad would pick us up in this 1979 Ford Econoline rusty old blue van that smelled like mouse poop. (laughs) And uh, he would pick us up on the last day of school and we would hit the road for the whole summer and we'd rent our apartment up at Snowbird out and we would just be on the road all summer. So we didn't really have so we hiked, we backpacked, we would pretty much camp the van, we would park the van at trailheads and do like two week backpacking trips mm-hmm. out of it. Like all mountain ranges around the West. We were dead really like being up high on ridgelines on top of mountains, bushwhacking, not seeing anybody. It was like a successful trip. If you didn't see a single person, <laughs> it wow. was like, that was his goal. So we spent a lot of time off trail and not really around people. So we didn't, yeah, we didn't have the time in the summer to do, uh, like team sports. Um, and then in the fall and spring, we lived up the Canyon. So to kind of, for mom and dad to drive us around for practice and all that stuff didn't really make sense. And then, yeah, we, we were racing. So we never really got the, some of the more normal, I guess, things that kids get like musical instrument classes or <laughs> you know stuff like there's like I've only bowled a couple times <laughs> like there's a couple things like that where I've never played laser tag so wow. I yeah I feel like in some ways we mi- not missed out but yeah we had a you had a unique childhood where we didn't do we don't have some of the normal experiences a lot of people have but we also obviously have a lot of other really cool experiences yeah well to make you feel better I've never played laser tag either. So, really? We should yeah. go play. We should go. We can do like a laser tag and bowling. You know, <laughs> yeah. You can... <laughs> yeah, go-kart trifecta. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
That's good because what I really I wanted um, you know I wanted people to appreciate that the the deep sacrifices you've made in your life to get to where you're going and I think you know no laser tag um, <clears throat> that probably really drives the yeah, point that, home for them. Yeah, that just you know really hurts me deep inside. <laughs> Um, I want to ask about your mom because, so we've got legendary father, Yes, but I mean, what's the, what's the story with your mom? Uh, is she rolling her eyes at all this? Was she as on this, like kicking you out of the door to go ski, not letting you watch television or, or (laughs) participate in laser tag? What was she about? So mom, well, just to kind of set the the tone um i don't know if you know rachel burks um, of course i do yeah but this uh realization came around when rachel and i started hanging out just a couple years ago when my mom was pregnant with me uh she blew her knee out and she decided to have knee surgery and all the doctors were like don't do it what are you mm-hmm. doing like it's gnarly like you know, and and she was like, no, I think it's it's good because then while I'm laid up with a baby and stuff, my knee can be, you know, healing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like, you're crazy. So it was like really stressful for the anesthetians. Anesthesiologists? Would, yeah, there we go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I got Anyways, you. So the doctor who did it was like, well, if you can find some, an anesthesiologist that's willing to, to, to do this, um, you know, she didn't get put under. She was conscious the whole time watching him operate. Wow. And the doctor was like, you are, she called, he called her Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And he saw her a few years later in the, in the elevator, like 10 years later in the elevator at the, up at the cliff and was like, Wonder Woman, how are you? Like totally remembered her because it was this big thing of, you know, this whole situation and what she mentally, you know, went through and overcome, overcame and all this stuff. Later come to find out it's Rachel Berg's dad. <laughs> So, so I came, I went to see him and he was like, so you're the little thing that was in there that was causing me so much stress. I was like, yeah, that's me. So anyways, she is a really amazing, smart, strong woman. And we would not have been able to live our lifestyle without her because she taught all of us, all the kids in the Canyon, including me and my brother, there was seven of us, uh, a one room homeschool in the winters because living in little cottonwood, you know, up at the resorts, yep. the road's so bad and, and it closes all the time or it's just terrible conditions. You would miss so many days of school commuting down to the valley to go to public school every day. Mm-hmm. So we would go to public school in the spring and fall. Hmm. And then during the winter months when our parents were working up the canyon, mom would all teach us a one-room homeschool. But so it was two different grades. Everyone lived in different states in the off-season. So she was teaching seven different curriculums wow. with seven different kids uh, in all the subjects. And we all graduated with almost all of us got like full ride academic scholarships to college. She taught us all the way through high school. So, um, wow. Yeah, that I think it's kind of hard to describe just how well versed, well rounded, um, not only with, uh, not just with kids or social interactions, but just all the things that go along with juggling that kind of stress and, and different being able to adapt and and maintain this healthy environment for us all like she's amazing um she loves nature she loves being outside she doesn't really like skiing at the ski resort she'd much rather you know go on a walk up white pine with her fish scales (laughs) (laughs) for like five hours that's like her happy place Hmm. um so she has always really encouraged me and john to 
you know, follow our hearts and be true to what we feel is important. And uh, when John went and did the seven summits when he was, you know, 16, 17, that for her was a really big time where she kind of had to let go of the motherly worry and attachment and just be like, well, they're, they're their own people now and whatever happens to them is out of my control and I can either give them my blessing or maintain fear and worry. And she was like, I'm going to set them free and I'm going to love them. And, and so she does really well, like with all the quote dangerous things that we do, she's super supportive and has a really good perspective on it all. Hmm. What's she doing these days? She's not still teaching is she no yeah so that was tough you know we all graduated high school and then it was like man now what we've been doing that for 12 years you know yeah Yeah. and uh so she started working with alta chalets um which is a company that rents and cleans some of the like million dollar chalets up at alta and she kind of stepped right into a, a cleaning role there which was interesting it was like uh you know when people sign up for to go to like the Buddhist monasteries out in India and they scrub the floors and they kind of have a a meditative um, transformative experience it's kind of what she's been doing for the past little bit and Mm -hmm. uh, just as of recently she's like okay I'm ready for the next thing I think she kind of wants to go into uh, like life counseling or she's very good at that stuff everyone in the Canyon kind of goes to her for life advice. So I think yeah, she- I think I'm going to start going to her for <laughs> life advice. <laughs> you know. You've sold you me. Yeah, um, she's very good. She sounds amazing. Um, she is. <clears throat> yeah, we might. I don't know. We're going to either have to. I think the legendary tag. I'm. I'm a little worried. We've we've given it to the wrong parent, or <laughs> or just or we've got to dish out another one. Um, but yes, I think that's it. I think <clears throat> both of them deserve <clears throat> that tag. Hmm. Yeah. In no particular order, but um, talking about full rides and you know the the group that you're graduating class of seven, which is uh-huh. hilarious. I, uh, <laughs> uh, so you you went um, to the University of Utah, is that right? Like, yep. and did you take any time off or kind of go straight from uh, whatever? I mean, graduated mm-hmm. high school, went straight in to the U. Uh, I graduated high school and I raced for a year after trying to make the U.S. ski team because usually 18 is kind of the optimal year to to get signed on to the development team Mm -hmm. and so when I was 18 I I I didn't go to college and I raced and I did super well Mm -hmm. and I traveled the U.S. ski team all that year but I didn't really get along with the head coach at the time Mm -hmm. and I wasn't on the ski team. So I got to kind of be on my own program. And even though I was traveling with him, uh, I didn't really have to like do what he said. And, and <laughs> I didn't really, I didn't really agree. I'm not like, I'm not a brat or anything, but I didn't really agree with how he was treating the girls. And, uh, he, he would kind of play these weird mental games with them to try and get him to ski better. And it didn't work. And I didn't, I didn't, you know, suck up to him and I didn't end up getting named to the team because of that and because the criteria for making the USQ team is so hard, usually it's pretty much always coach's discretion. Yep. Um, so when I didn't get named, it was like a huge blessing in disguise because I didn't actually want to race another year. Huh. So I went right to college after that because I had been deferring a full ride academic scholarship. Hmm. 
And so I took that up uh, and, yeah, took on classes full-time at the Honors College there Hmm. and went for like two and a half years Mm -hmm. until, um, yeah, until the comps and big mountain skiing started actually being like a full-time job with lucrative enough income. I was like, man, I'm turning down all these trips to go to Kilimanjaro or Hmm. Argentina or whatever because I'm in school. But I'm getting to the point now where I, c- I can pay for my education and I won't be able to do these ski trips and this ski thing forever. So yep. I dropped out and it was like a sore subject for a while because my dad would always joke like, oh, she dropped out. And I was all sensitive about it. I'd be like, it's not funny, dad. <laughs> now I'm like in a <laughs> place where I, that's what I say too. Yeah. College dropout. You and Kanye West. <laughs> but I mean, I love school. I really like yeah. I was a double major in uh, philosophy and environmental studies, and I really like like it. So I know I'll be going back, and it's nice to know I have that to fall back on. All right, I'm not going to lie. <clears throat> this next question is important because your answer to this might might catapult you to being my official favorite skier in the world. <laughs> Uh-oh. Are you ready? <laughs> the pressure's on. I want to hear more about the philosophy major because – to, that you would be if this is I I kind of have a big background in philosophy. This 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 uh, this part matters to me. So okay, I, I, when I heard that or read that somewhere, I thought you got to be kidding me. Um, so I want to hear more about this. Why one did you go into the U knowing that you wanted to do a, a concentration in philosophy, or was um, that, did you figure that out when you got there? I always really liked debate. But I didn't so much like the argumentative parts of debate. I just really like hearing where other people came from. Yep. Because I think there's a lot there's a lot of different right answers and the things that we miss in this society is we think there has to be like one way or a right and a wrong. But what I think is interesting is like how people think and why we feel the way we feel. Mm-hmm. And so I took this intro to philosophy class that covered a bunch of different you know, types of philosophy and philosophical theories. And at first I really didn't like it because I wasn't thinking the right way. But then about halfway through, I don't know what changed, but all of a sudden like it clicks just how you analyze something or how you um, think about things. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. This is everything I'm into. Like I just had to kind of like trim my way into like understanding how to navigate that sort of realm I guess and so so after about halfway through that class it went from being my least favorite class to being my most favorite class by far huh. and uh and then from there it was just like pff, everything philosophy I was like oh this is so sweet and just <laughs> like the debates that you can have in the classroom setting is so awesome and mm-hmm. if you can have them in the, in a non-heated way where people are like well and you can ask like questions of people like, well, why do you feel this way? And then, yep. and then you can kind of point out maybe flaws in their argument or not flaws, but like, you'd be like, well, this seems contradictory. Like, why does this make sense to you? And then they have to think about it or vice versa. Then you have to be like, wait, why do I feel that way? Those things kind of seem to conflict yep. each other. And, and just not like it gets, it makes you get to know yourself better and it makes other people get to know themselves better. And you can have it in a really safe environment where you don't feel like you're attacking somebody or they're attacking you. And that's, that's what I really like about it. Yep. <clears throat> well said. It's funny. I, here's a um, slight tangent, but when you talked about initially the, it was your least favorite class, this intro to philosophy. Mm-hmm. 
this is something that I think that there's, and I, I spent a couple years teaching um, uh, philosophy in college and went to grad school and that stuff and blah, blah, blah. But I think a lot of times philosophy classes don't do a good job of kind of grabbing these new students. You know, my, yeah. my first philosophy course was kind of the same experience as you. Like, I don't know what this is. I don't know what this subject is. I don't know why it matters, yeah. you know, and, and you had to kind of figure that out a little bit on your own. And that is something that I really wish that I think we could do way, way better um, in college philosophy courses is doing a better job of communicating right up front why this stuff isn't this like, oh, it was interesting, but I didn't really get it or how it applied to my life or anything, you know, and instead showing just how fundamental that discipline can be to yes. literally every single day and every single element of your life. Yeah. And how you, yeah, just how you interact with people, which <clears throat> is pretty much what life is all about. Exactly. Yeah. Like I always kind of like to say like the discipline, really, you could boil it down to like, how should I spend my time? You know, like yeah. what's worth valuing and what isn't. Yeah. And, yeah. What's um, and also figuring out yourself, like yep. what's important to me actually, you yeah. know? Like I learned a lot about myself through philosophy and that was cool too. So. Yeah, we did. Um, again, you know, since I'm talking to a, a distinguished uh, student of philosophy here on this podcast, <laughs> I mean, she dropped out, but whatever. It's just you, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> we did, um, we did a, um, a, a print buyer's guide this past fall. It was our first time doing a... Yeah, you, know, a, you guys did that. I haven't checked it out, but that's yeah. cool. But you'll appreciate this. There's the opening, um, I guess, like the editor's intro. I wrote a piece. It's called Know Thyself. And I'm pretty sure this is the first time this ever happened in like a ski buyer's guide. I actually threw in like the the um, the ancient Greek, like, Nothi Seautan. And we're like uh -huh. giving some shout outs to Socrates. So I'm really <laughs> doing my best here. I'm really trying to tie, you know, philosophy and skiing together. And now I've got a new, you know, I'm, I'm going to help, you know, you're going to help me on this uh, endeavor. So sure. um, yeah, so you know, all the all the young guys and girls out there wanting to grow up to be the next Angel Collinson, you know, what's the secret? How do I get to be a pro skier? You go and you're a fucking philosophy major. That's what we're trying to instill here. Um, starts with a philosophy major. <laughs> and I think to, yeah, to add to that is that like my interpretation of philosophy and maybe why um, I initially had cold feet is I think we kind of think of philosophy as sometimes being on this high horse, like, oh, only, you know, it's like, oh, you think of like Aristotle and like yeah. these, uh, these distinguished people who yeah. have this sophisticated, refined sense of themselves or of society or whatever. And it's like, it's, philosophy isn't about that at all. It's just about asking questions and getting to know yourself and other people. And it's not like this high up, like hoity toity thing at all, <laughs> you know? Well, Angel, I think if I've proven anything in this conversation, it's that even idiots can really come to an appreciation of philosophy. Um, my stammering around with these questions. Do you have time to be doing much reading these days? Yeah, it's funny because uh, when I was in school, I was like, oh, my God, 
uh, all I get to do is read assigned things. I just yeah, want to yeah. read for fun, you know? Yep, and yep. then all of a sudden, I wasn't in school, and I was like, yes, I get to read for fun. Sweet. I'm going to read all these, like, economics books and stuff that I've heard about that I didn't have time to read. Mm-hmm. And I just is like, kind of burning myself out on, like, nonfiction, super educational, serious stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And I kind of bounced off the walls of being like, okay, I have free time to read to like being super serious and trying to learn even though I wasn't in school. And then I went into this uh, phase of like, I guess like spiritual self-help books and that was really awesome. And then I was like, okay, I'm not really reading that much because all the things I'm trying to read are like way super serious and that's all I've been doing for a while now, like in schools, you know, reading these things. So then I went into like a fantasy science fiction phase and now I'm like back on the nonfiction educational train. <laughs> but now I'm a lot more busy and I don't, it's, well, you know, time is funny. We always have time for what's important to us. Yeah. And I think we make a lot of stories up to ourselves and other people like, oh, I didn't have time for that. Or, and it's really just because it wasn't really important to you. Mm-hmm. So I've been super busy. I haven't been reading a lot, but it's been because I've been juggling lots of stuff with my career and friend time um, has become really important to me. So I've started doing uh, audiobooks because I drive a lot or podcasts because I um, can just be like, packing or whatever and have my headphones in or yeah. whatever speakers on and that has been really really awesome Agreed. so if you feel like you're you don't have time to read but you want to read like download audible on yep. your phone or follow some really awesome podcasts and you can put it in your car or in your headphones while you're doing laundry or whatever and that's been an awesome resource best audiobook uh you've listened to in the last, say, six months to a year? Best audiobook or the one you find yourself recommending the most? However you want to think of that. Mm. I don't know about... I don't know. I've been, like, really on the podcast kick lately, but I just finished um, Shantaram. Yeah. And very much enjoyed that. I really liked the language and the sort of, like, honest, brutal... uh, come to terms with what life's all about sort of a philosophy that he has mm-hmm. in that book. And so I don't know. I really enjoyed that. That's, I just finished that. Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> what podcasts are you burning through? Um, so there's uh, I really like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Daniel Vitalis, but it's called rewild yourself. Hmm. And there's lots of really cool things about like, um, uh, basically just like what were we doing before we were super in industrial civilization? Like mm-hmm. as hu- as biological human creatures, what's natural for us? And so whether it's like diet or sleep or um, just so many different things. That's one of my favorites. It's called Rewild Yourself. Um, and then On Being is like a more philosophical one yeah. with Krista Tippett. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think works. NPR plays it sometimes. Um those are two of my favorites. Uh, Risk is also an awesome podcast. It's hmm. pretty explicit <laughs> to any readers out there huh. or listeners. It's uh, it's a storytelling podcast that's super entertaining. Basically, it's people telling stories that they never thought they would ever tell before, but they're all like trained in storytelling. So huh. most of them are pretty embarrassing, funny. Some of them are pretty sad. Uh, it's kind of all over the board, but it's very entertaining as well. 
Wow, that's great. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> switching up. Um, I want to ask you, uh, women's ski equipment. This is something that I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer to this. So pressure's off in that way. Um, but I, we just did a podcast, um, a couple weeks ago with a kind of a round table with a number of, uh, founders of ski companies and then kind of head ski designers, um, at other companies. And, um, one of our readers pointed out that I should have asked about this question and I, they're a hundred percent right. I forgot, but on the question of, um, women's specific equipment mm -hmm. versus, you know, so if we're, we're going to design stuff that is in fact, women specific or whether we're basically just going to go make a bunch of unisex, we'll focus just on skis for the moment. Um, you know, again, I don't know that I think there's a right or wrong answer to this. And I guess I'm curious about, um, what you think, what you think about this, right? Sometimes there are women who are frustrated because they talk about, um, yeah, for women's stuff, they're just making stuff softer and they paint it pink. Um, but then again, I hear complaints from the other side where women are saying there's equipment that really ought to be tailored. Uh, you know, we are, you know, some women are a lot lighter than other guys. And so a softer, uh, a softer ski does work better for them. Mm -hmm. Not, I, I don't know that I care so much about you personally on this front. Um, mm -hmm. but in terms of the people you're talking to, the women you're talking to, what do you hear on this front? Um, is there any bit of consensus you hear? Um, does the issue come up? You know, yeah, it is. It's a really hard question and, and, a, and a really hard topic. And honestly, you know, I, um, like we were just talking about before we uh, started this podcast, I'm now on vocal transitioning yeah. from Black Diamond. And um, so last winter and kind of the spring, I was talking to a lot of different ski companies throughout the whole process. And there's, it was always, uh, there was always a, a big discussion of how do we make women's equipment and how do we market it? Like who are we marketing to and, and what do they want? You know, yep. <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. And it's, um, for me, it's difficult because I, uh, and I don't mean to sound conceited, but you know, I ski differently than like the average, you know, woman consumer. So the ski that I'm look looking for isn't what a lot of the women want. And so it's uh, interesting because while I want to be able to market to these women and also speak for these companies' women's skis, yep. um, it's not what I want to be bringing up to Alaska. So it's like this funny ground where it's like I do if I'm not – if I'm like, okay, I'm going to go noodle around the resort. It's hard pack. Like, I don't really care about going fast. I'm just going to see what this ski skis like. And I am light, you know, I am small. And so I can still appreciate what women's skis have to offer because I do think there's definitely a market for that because we're not built the same as guys. Like yeah. I can't stomp 60 foot cliffs, like no way, you know, and I'm pretty strong and I can rail high speed turns pretty well, but I'm not as strong as Ian Mack or Sage or, or actually I'm not as strong as most of the average men out on the ski hill. Hmm. So 
I think that there's uh, definitely a place for women's specific equipment. And it's kind of a matter of, you know, your hardcore women ski- skiers, I feel like right now, are buying men's skis. Yep. And so it's kind of hard to be like, uh, to, to map out the demographic of who's spending money on skis right now. Like, it's a huge deal. Like, women spend a lot of money on equipment. You know, women spend more money on, on a, like, skis or clothes or whatever than most men do. So trying to find what the, what the average consumer wants and, and how hard they ski or, or what they want out of a ski is, it's really interesting. And I've been really trying to pay attention to the conversations that I have with people and what kind of skis they're looking, what they want out of a ski. And I feel I can have that conversation because I am a girl and people do reach out to me, but it's a super, yeah, it's, it's not an easy answer. And I totally just kind of dodged your question, but hopefully there is some insights in there. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's an easy answer either. And mostly I'm just glad that I'm not a ski manufacturer. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's hard right now for them. They're like, tell us all your answers. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What um have you had a chance to check out, either have on your feet or just kind of peruse the vocal lineup? I mean, what are I haven't you kind had of a thinking? chance to check out the women's lineup. I'm just mm-hmm. barely uh, getting to know the skis that I want, which at this point are men's skis. Yep. Um, and so we've been having a conversation of, you know, do we design, obviously, like, I would probably want a stiffer one for some of the things I do uh, if I'm on a women's ski, but do we want to try and design one? Would enough of them sell? You know, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. So I haven't gotten a chance to ski on them, but I would really like to, like this spring, I'd really like to go just check out all the women's lines and ski on them and be like, oh, this ski is awesome. Or what the heck were you guys trying to do with this? Or why do so many of these have pink flowers on them? (laughs) Like you were saying, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Well, it'd be interesting to see how that how that conversation evolves and and um and what you do end up on and be, yeah. be paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> Who's cooler? Macintosh or Sage? <laughs> well, first of all, that's a terrible question. <laughs> I think it's an amazing question. You should know better than that. No, I'm just teasing. Um well, <laughs> it's so I just have such a soft spot in my heart for both those guys. Like, they're so different, but the best part is they get along so well. And they're like, I wouldn't say they're polar opposites, but they're very different. And Sage is like kind of like mad scientist, like not spacey, but like kind of spacey and like far (laughs) there and coming up with like these kind of crazy ideas when we're just sitting around on weather days. And Macintosh is like, hilarious like super confident a lot of people think he's like overconfident but he's not he's actually very humble and just so funny and like Macintosh and I goof like he's probably one of my besides my brother he's like one of my favorite partners in crime like we have so much fun together all the time just like dinking around making jokes talking in Russian accents like (laughs) just being ridiculous and then um you know, Sage has been one of my lifetime mentors hmm. and I really respect kind of the holistic way that he's been able to uh, balance like his ski career and, and maintaining his unique voice. And uh, 
I feel I love his creativity and his uh, kind of the insights that he has into things that you wouldn't really. He thinks of things differently, and I really love that about him. And I love his very graceful way of skiing. And I also love Ian's like hard charging yep. balls to the walls method of skiing. And so there's no way I could be like, oh, I like so and so better, so and so is cooler. Like there's no way I could do well, that. You, you've oh. already you've already answered my follow up question which was, who's funnier? So I'm just going to say, that's, that's Macintosh. You have said that Ian Macintosh is funnier than Sage, and you have, it's on record, you've just described Sage as being pretty spacey. <laughs> so I think <laughs> well, that's... Like, yeah, I mean, sort of. But, but in his case, spacey doesn't mean he dropped the ball. Oh, yeah, He's no. always like super on it, whether it's business or in the field or whatever. Like He is always on point. But he has that kind of like artistic yeah like the artistic mad scientist vibe where he's like got a bunch of like <clears throat> crazy ideas and he's always like got some things in the cauldron that he's stirring around you know yeah i mean they they both um they both seem like really interesting individuals and and um and i'm not gonna lie one of my very favorite things about your ski segments is actually ian's commentary Oh, on, yeah. on your lines like that is that is my favorite thing i think so like you're you're somehow taking a secondary role in your own segments because um, yeah. ian's just hilarious and um yeah. and i think it's been you know really cool i think um listening to both ian and sage um in those absolutely um candid you know moments uh over the mic um, where they're, you know, just cheering for you and, and you're scaring the shit out of them. Um, you know, but then also hearing these guys talk about what you're up to. And, and I think Sage has been really articulate, uh, about that and, and they both have. And, and I think that's, um, that's also, uh, been a really, really cool thing to watch. It's, it's really fun. Um, the, the, you guys have a good, you know, little triumvirate right now, I think. Yeah. Um, Follow-up question. We'll stop making fun of Sage because you've, you've, you've sort of thrown him in, I think, is at least one of the answers here. But I, in terms of people that, you know, you're talking to or watching in the industry these days um, or who you were paying attention to growing up, I mean, it sounds like Sage is somebody that you've been keeping a close eye on, uh, how, how he's gone about stuff or as you're trying to navigate the current waters um, – you know, sage or others, um, that have been important for you? Yeah, I think, um, something that is interesting is, uh, in the past five years, the role that social media has played and changed <clears throat> what it means to be a professional athlete and how you yep. market yourself. Uh, because, you know, before you self-marketing was kind of a different beast and, yep. You, you could kind of, and it my, and the reason why I did well right off the bat, it was actually before social media and it was when you could let your skiing speak for itself. Mm -hmm. And now it's kind of changing companies and people really want you to talk about yourself. And so if you like for, you know, Ian and Sage, they came from an era where, and did really well in an era where that wasn't the case. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to talk about yourself. And actually it was respected to not talk about yourself and just ski really hard. So that's how they 
made their name, that's how they did well. And watching them adapt in this kind of changing world where all of a sudden now you have to find a tasteful way to talk about yourself. Yeah. I draw a lot of inspiration for those from those guys because I get really uncomfortable being like, you know, hey, check me out, I'm ripping. Yeah. <laughs> and they have both done a really good job of uh, being present and consistently interactive with their fans. Like, I mean, because you also time management as an athlete has changed a lot. Like we're, we're not skiing as much. We're spending a lot of time on our phones and on the computers and they, they just do so well, both of them. Mm -hmm. Like it's funny cause you know, I, you not only do I respect them in the field, but I really respect them off the field and the way they maintain their um, identity. And I never feel like they come off as phony or spammy or anything like that. I always, they meet all of the criteria of posting how many times a month for each sponsor, but it doesn't feel like you're getting advertised down your throat, you know? Yeah. So I would say those two, especially because of the way they've uh, in adapted and embraced social media have been who I've looked to a lot recently and, and how to kind of mold my everyday uh, habits. Yeah. <clears throat> pretty two two good models i'd agree yeah um yeah it seems like they've been doing it well for for quite a while now yeah because it's like man they are we already knew they could ski and now yeah. they're doing exceptionally well business wise and in the public image interacting often like they're just crushing it i'm so stoked to just even know them <laughs> yeah <laughs> second favorite activity after skiing we'll assume we'll assume you're going to give skiing the the podium uh but if you if you weren't skiing um mountain biking yoga um scrabble um does eating candy fall in there eating, eating candy <laughs> only if you tell us specifics <laughs> anything willy wonka pretty much I really like chewy sprees and chew those little ball chewy sweet tarts. Um, I like nerds. I like pixie sticks. Um, I like. I also like sour gummy worms, which Wonka doesn't make, but that's okay. I really also like Smarties. Um, Fun Dip is kind of cool, except for they make the little sticks that you dip taste terrible, which I don't know why they do that. Um, <laughs> It sounds yeah. like this could be a next career then, like like come out with a better fun fun stick. Yeah. I don't know why like like for example, if they were to make a ring pop that you dip in the fun dip powder, it would be amazing. I don't know why like yeah, why they make this tasteless like weird salt sugar stick that is like yeah, ugh, gag me. Mm -hmm. But anyways, so yeah, that I would say eating candy. Yeah, but I'm trying to grow up and be like a for real adult. <laughs> so I'm trying to kind of move away from it, but it's been a difficult transition. I got to tell you that most of my regular ski crew would be so into this right now. <laughs> and there's a big, like, I'm not, gummy kind of freaks me out. And um, and every blister review trip we do, and then basically every weekend that I'm skiing with friends, it's all about gummy anything and everything. And and I I'm not winning this argument, right? So they, mm -hmm. there's a bunch of people, a bunch of blister reviewers, 
and, and a bunch of my friends would be very, very psyched to hear you talking about this right now. Um, yeah, was, well, I mean, the main ingredient, in, or one of the main ingredients in, all, like, all of those candies is, like, dextrose, I think, which is, like, the same as, like, shot, like, cliff bar goo, or shots, or goo, or, like, all of those energy gels pretty much have, like, a lot of similar things in them, but they're, <laughs> they're fancy. I'd rather just, yeah, be eating, like, everlasting gobstoppers. Actually, I don't really like <laughs> Everlasting ones. I like the chewy gobstoppers better. Chewy gobstoppers. Yeah. Wow. This has been, I'm getting a hell of an education in, in, <laughs> in candy right now. So I appreciate I that. Um, I gotta, I gotta back it up though. I'm, I'm going to be remiss. You started saying some really interesting things about what it means to be a pro skier today and how that is shifting and looking a bit different. Um, and I had, the reason I got to back this up was because I, I talked to a couple of our our female reviewers um, who, you know, I said, I'm going to be talking to Angel and, you know, send along some questions um, that you guys might have. And oh, cool. they wanted me to ask about your take on getting to the pro level. And, and it does look like those avenues are shifting up, you know, that, that um, I think it's probably fair to say as a generalization that it used to be that you probably do come from a race background and then you win some comps and then you kind of make your way into a movie segment. And and I don't know that there were a ton of exceptions to that. It seems like in this day and age, you've already talked well about the fact that um, the social media component is much bigger and, and there's a lot more weight put on that and, and getting yourself out there. How are, you know, female athletes in particular negotiating um, this space where, you know, there is the sort of them as role as athlete in their particular sport. And then there's also the kind of, I don't know, for lack of a better word, the kind of glam factor, Mm -hmm. um, that, um, that can go into this. Um, and, and frankly, across, I, we don't have to think about just skiing here. We can think about a lot of different, um, a lot of different sports, um, that there are some people maybe getting pretty famous or popular and that popularity might be a little less um, due to their skill in their respective sport uh, and a bit more to um, their willingness to um, kind of play up some of the the glam stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, basically like how do you balance uh, marketing yourself, sort of, you know, playing sex appeal as being a female in these, you know, out- action sports, outdoor industries, and, um, uh, yeah, like maintaining, uh, inauthentic voice regarding your personality and your abilities and how do you kind of, how, how do all those things mash up is my understanding of what you're yeah, much better said. Yeah. Um, so it's tricky. Yeah. And I struggle with it a lot, mostly because I think I, uh, I don't, I, <laughs> I drastically fall way short of any sponsor expectations in my con. Actually, I'm, I could be cut from all of my sponsors right now (laughs) because I don't even come close to posting as often as I'm supposed to on their behalf. Um, it's sort of a personal philosophy that I have because I know that it's in our, well, just in general, like people have really good BS detectors. And if we feel like we're being advertised to or spammed to, 
we don't like it and I don't yeah. like it and that's not what I want to do to people. So even though I am a part of these companies and social media, my personal social media account is now supposed to also act on behalf of selling their product. I think it's a really tough line to walk and it. There's a tasteful way to do it and it's very hard. So I don't do it that often. <laughs> it's hard to do. Um, but I really think, uh, like, yeah, so so finding that line with your sponsors is tough, and so I err on the side of not doing it often enough and hoping my sponsors are okay with it, and so far it's worked out. I've gotten a couple slaps on the wrist, but um, I've just kind of relied on my skiing and personality speaking for itself, and that people will like what I have to say and maybe look more into the things I like because they know that I'm not lying to them about it, because yeah. I try to be most authentically myself all the time. That's like my main goal in life is to always try and be the highest version that I can possibly be of myself, including on social media. Hmm. And I'm very careful about um, like the kind of uh, photos that I post of myself because I don't, I've started posting more selfies because I realized I really like looking through someone's Instagram feed and seeing their face and what they look like and yeah. what their facial expressions are and just sort of them in different environments. So I started posting more selfies, but um, yeah, I really try and shy away from like uh, even like bikini shots or whatever because it's, um, yeah, it's tough. I just, I want people to like me for my personality and my skiing. And like, if you throw too many skin shots in there, you're going to get attention for it. And mm -hmm. if that does you good, then that's awesome. But I, I, that's not what I personally want, but I don't necessarily like condemn that for other people doing that. I think there's tasteful ways to do it. And it's all about kind of your intention and, and what you want to get out of it. And for me, that's not the path I want to take. And that's just my personal thing. So, mm -hmm. uh, I try to, um, yeah, I try and only say what I mean on social media and I try and, uh, mm, I don't know. I like posting stuff that I feel proud of, you know, and like not just doing it cause I feel like I have to do it. Yeah. I don't know if I answered all of those questions or all of your, I think that was pretty, I think that was pretty good. I, I think this would be a, Here's a harder question, maybe, if you were trying to advise um, younger athletes looking to come up as they think, and let's let's actually let's right. make this specific to younger women uh, looking to come up. How would you advise on that front um, when, if it feels in certain instances, like listen, it, to use your term, if if I go kind of the the skin route maybe I can get a significant bump here. And right, everybody's, everybody's grinding, everybody's, you know, clawing and trying to, to, to make their way. Um, and, you know, but, but what if, I mean, some, there are younger women coming up and they're thinking, is this the route I've got to go if I'm going to get noticed? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think uh, it's all about being self-aware and, and yeah, what, well, first of all, I would say, because I, I need to like figure out a good answer for this question because I'm starting to get it asked of me often, especially like Facebook messages and stuff, and I don't quite have a very polished answer yet, but what I do know is that with these things that are our passions and our dreams, that if you make them into too much of a goal, 
I think you get in your own way. So like lots of people are like, how do you become a pro skier? And when I talk to every single pro skier out there, no one had the goal of being a pro skier. It was always like, oh, that would be so sweet. And you live your normal life anyways with that as your dream. Hmm. But it's not like this calculated thing of first you do this and then you do this. Like for me, I never thought I was going to be a pro big mountain skier. I signed up for the competitions because I thought that it would be a good way to get me out of the library because I knew I would, <laughs> you know, and John was like, they're so fun. You should do it. You don't have to wear a speed suit and you can listen to your music and everyone's cool. And hmm. I was like, cool, that sounds sweet. So I think that should be number one is, is recognizing that with our passions, um, it's important to keep them as dreams and allow like the space for random things to happen as they will, because there's a lot of factors that go into <laughs> you know how things play out in the big picture yeah so that's a big thing um but i think for women especially if you uh if you do your thing well enough whatever it is whether it's sports or singing or whatever if you do it well people will notice hmm. and i think that you we all really have to trust in that uh and Doors will open if you continue every day to do your thing better and as best as possible. Mm. And I think those two things are, are like your best starting points. Um, you know, yeah, you can try and get out with photographers or you can enter in competitions. But if you focus on killing it first and just like out shredding anything that you thought you could ever do before and having confidence in yourself, mm. that will take you places. Because the rest, a lot of it is out of your control. I like it. Yeah. Sound advice. What are you up to now? What's, what's next? What, um, are you looking at specific projects? What do you got going on? <clears throat> yeah, that's a great question. I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> Beside eating candy. Yeah. yeah. Well, currently I'm drinking lemon ginger homemade tea. So that's, I don't just always eat candy, but um, I am kind of trying to figure that out because uh, I think I still have a ways to go in chasing the guys around and being able to kind of do what they've been doing for a while. So I'd like to be able to throw tricks in big mountain settings, but I'm a ways from that because it takes a lot of practice and that's not my background. So that's in the picture somewhere. I've been trying to have as much fun as possible this winter. Because all of a sudden I'm like, man, I might actually be doing this for a while. And fun is the most important thing. So I've taken some time to just like dink around and just go on like fun friend trips, which I've never done before. And that's been awesome. As far as the future goes, I, as we kind of mentioned, I just signed with Red Bull and as did my brother. So that opens up a lot of doors for potential projects. I really would like to do a project with kind of a very few, like, some of the best females uh, in the industry, small group, like maybe five, six of us in a short, like 25 minute film. Uh, so a little different than pretty faces, kind of like what full moon projects doing or whatever and have it be super funny. And, uh, but some, some just rad female shredding. That's something I'd like to do. And uh, in the long term, I'd really like to find a way where skiing can benefit science and exploration or progression on the climate change front because I think we 
have the capability to do a lot of things and go a lot of places that, you know, are on the front lines of seeing the effects of climate change. And scientists are, I don't know, science is going to save the world. And so if I can work with that in some way, shape, or form, that's what I want to do in the future. The interesting thing a lot of times with these things is you don't quite really ever know what you're talking about, but you plant the seed, you know, and then it starts to grow. So I don't like, like you kind of said, I don't really know what exactly that looks like, but I do know that we're able, like you said, we're able to go places that not a lot of people can get to, um, whether it's for like continual data collection or, um, I don't know, like, I don't know what people need or, or where, uh, the places on the planet are that we need to kind of be either monitoring or uh, exploring or just like raising awareness of. Um, but I think we're in a unique position because what we love and the things that we are doing is in places that are rapidly changing because of that. And so I think, I don't know what it looks like, but I think there's something, I feel there's something there and I want to pursue that somehow yeah yeah and i mean starting to ask and you know trying to even formulate the questions um that that is the start point right and so um first you have to figure out what the questions even are and then from there you can start to get a sense of um how one might go about um answering those questions and and uh yeah i think um I think philosophy and science are are both very familiar and have long uh, distinguished histories of that stammering around to try to even figure out what the right question to ask is. Yeah, yeah, Um, totally. Yeah. Well, very cool. Um, Well, Angel, this has really been great. Um, And I think I, I really liked... Well, I've liked several of your answers, but I think you your your answer about that philosophy major was strong enough that I'm gonna I think you are now officially my favorite skier in the world until till we hear right like I'm I'm gonna meet the skier who finished the philosophy degree right Right. and maybe maybe you'll have some stiff competition but but um uh but no as I as I started out um I think um it has been really really fun and exciting to watch what you've been up to over the last um couple years in particular I know that the the guys and girls I'm talking to, uh, you know, as I've said, it, this isn't about, have you seen this chick who's doing cool things in the mountain? It's just, have you seen what this skier is doing in the mountain? And I think that, I think you've spoken well about, um, you know, you're standing on the shoulders of a lot of women before you. And, um, but you're doing something that's pretty special right now. And I think we're all really, um, thrilled to be watching it. Um, and, uh, I know again, from the people I'm talking to, we're, we're very impressed at how you're conducting yourselves, um, in these new worlds of what it means to be a professional athlete and, and navigate the social media scene. And, um, yeah, just wish you much continued success with all of that. And, um, but it's, it's, uh, it's really, really fun to watch what you're doing um, on and off the mountain right now. So um, much continued success to you. Well, thanks so much. I really enjoyed our conversation and really appreciate all your kind words. Listen, maybe 
well, not maybe the next time I'm in Salt Lake, I don't know when that will be, but it sounds like, you know, we'll see you about hooking up for a, um, a laser tag sesh. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I know. It'll be my first time too. So. Wow. Yeah. yeah it's be good. I don't know. Well, what if we found out that we were like amazing at laser tag? And then just, did they have like laser tag comps? We could, we could, we could that could be the post skiing. Yeah, um, exactly. I would have a fallback option. Right. Instead of eating candy. Yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah. New, new, new prospects for the future. Yeah, totally. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks to Angel Collinson for the conversation to our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob, and to New Belgium Brewing Company for sponsoring this episode. Be sure to go to newbelgium.com to check out all of their current beers. By the way, after he finished two bottles of it, Justin had this to add about Citradelic. Quote, This shit is really good. It would be a really good river beer. Good job, New Belgium. Till next time, head over to blisterreview.com to see what we're up to there. Subscribe to the Blister Podcast in iTunes, and we'll catch you next Thursday on the Blister Podcast. Blister.